Hello everybody, welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast, it is episode 179, I am Mel from Metal Hammer and joining me today is the one, the only, the main man, Metal Hammer Reviews editor, Mrs. Jonathan Seltzer, how are you doing Seltz? I'm good, I'm primed and a bit sniffly, so um, if, I, if everything suddenly goes mute, you know, you, know, I'm, you know that's a sneeze coming up, but I'm ready for, I'm ready for the task at hand. He's having a big old sniff. We are gonna, it's one of the biggest podcasts of the year, no doubt about it this week, because we are reviewing the brand new Iron Maiden album, Senjutsu. It is out this Friday, the 17th Iron Maiden Stewart album, uh, a break of six years in between records as well. So it's huge, huge news. And once you've listened to our breakdown of the new Iron Maiden album on this very podcast, you are going to go and want to pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer magazine because it is entire cover feature, a big one as well, dedicated to Senjutsu. We have an exclusive interview with the band. We also introduce, uh, introduce we also interview, I should say, uh, Iron Maiden producer Kevin Shirley. We even interview... Eddie Illustrator, the man behind the genius samurai Eddie, currently adorning the Senjutsu artwork, Mark Wilkinson. It's a huge piece, expertly handled by the world's biggest Iron Maiden fan and Metal Hammer legend Dom Lawson. You can get it in shops across the UK right now, or you can pick it up from tinyurl.com slash gethammer. Uh, and as well as that awesome Iron Maiden cover feature, it also comes with exclusive Iron Maiden fridge magnets, a giant Senjutsu art poster, and even a Bell Sajar's um, uh, what was it called? Velsajar's Feast art print. I'm so excited about it, I can barely get the words out. So massive Iron Maiden package, huge exclusive interview, all the sentience you love you could possibly want in the new issue of Metal Hammer out right now. Uh, before we kick on with this podcast, I should also give a good old shout out to our lovely sponsors over at Killstar. If you want the most sickest, the most awesomest, the most badass and heavy metal designs printed across your chest, on your legs, your feet, clothes, accessories, homeware items, anything in your life that you want to be adorned in black and uh, other dark colours and looking metal as fuck, go over to killstar.com right now. They are the very greatest alternative uh, clothing and accessory brand in the game today. We're very proud to be associated with them. And I promise you, if you like metal, if you like goth music, you like rock, grunge, anything that falls under the the kind of uh, umbrella of the alternative, you will find something for you over at killstar.com. So go over to them right now and check out all their awesome wares. They're always introducing new ranges all the time as well. So if you were there on kind of checking out last week go back on there this week and check out again because they'll probably have some new stuff that you haven't seen yet so head over to killstar.com right now to check out all of that right then iron maiden senjutsu the biggest metal album of the year the 17th iron maiden studio album uh this is as big as it gets before we get stuck into this record um where have you kind of been at with maiden's uh, journey over the last few years, Jonathan. What, what did you think of the Book of Souls in particular, and where they're at musically? Um, I love the Book of Souls. I, I I love pretty much everything they've done since um, Bruce has come back. Maybe less so Dance of Death. Obviously, that, for me, that was the only dip. Um, People don't like that record as much. I love that record. I really do. Yeah, it's just was beef. There are there are a few. Iron Maiden albums where they sound a bit more like musicals than as much as they do a metal band. And for me, that was one of them. It's, it was just strange because they, um, you, you know, you know, it had some really amazing songs in it. But as a whole, I just found it is I found it um, just lacking the scope 
and the intensity of, um, say, Book of Souls or Mount of Life and Death, um, another album I absolutely loved. And, um, you know, that, I mean, it's about those two last albums, they were, you know, they were real proper journeys. Um, Brave New You're talking World. about the book, the book of Souls and um, and Final Frontier when you say those last two Sorry, Final Frontier, yeah, sorry. Uh, and yeah. the, yeah, that and the Final Frontier were absolute journeys. And um, there was so much epic and just the thrill of having them back with Brave New World, you know, Bruce back with Brave New World. And just when you have songs like Blood Brothers, which just, for me is one of the greatest uh, songs of their entire career. Um, and Hard agree. I feel like that kind of set a template for a lot of where they went from there as well. Those kind of like epic, expansive, kind of swaying maiden songs. There's a lot of that kind of arms linked, swaying together kind of vibe on this album, funnily enough. And I think that's a kind of pocket they sit very comfortably in now because they do it like so many metal bands try and do that kind of thing. Um, but maiden still do it better than anyone. And they kind of. It's a weird one because they where a lot of bands would be content to just kind of sit and shit out rehashes of their quote unquote classic material. Maiden seem to remain quite stubborn in their determination to become more expansive, more progressive. I mean, they're they're basically a progressive metal band now, aren't they? That's kind of yeah. what you would almost describe them as. Yeah, that's exactly what I was just about to use the word expansive because you know lately they've been giving themselves so much more scope. Uh, whether it's like you know the extended track, some of the extended track times, um, and just paint an even broader picture because they're maiden. They don't really need to give a fuck anymore. No, they don't. And I and it's weird because I was saying I this mean, to someone earlier. Actually, like, sorry, go on. Yeah, I mean, like, they of all people can indulge themselves because they've got so much discipline, and um, and when you know. It's, it's difficult to, you'd think, for, for most other bands to do this when you've got so many people in the band. But you can hear, like, when the um, when the band click into gear, which, which they do all the time, but there's a real magic when that happens. And, um, you know, a lot of what they do isn't necessarily rocket science, but it's like with Thin Lizzy, but no one else can do it. And... Um, and there's this one bit of there's this kind of magic that occurs when you have this kind of confluence of people and ideas and and just you know the, the way they've been together for so long and have such a strong idea of what Iron Maiden is and what it, and and what it still could be um, that it's like with made it's like with Thin Lizzy too it's like when you when you hear other people trying to do do what they do and you just you that magic is that Maiden have got is really noticeable by its absence in a, in a lot of other bands that, that maybe cleave a bit too closely to what Maiden do. That's kind of almost what I was just going to say because they have got more progressive and expansive and just more vast in their scope as a as a band over the years. And it's kind of the, the bands that you compare I made into in the early 80s are not the same bands that for the most part really you'd compare them to now. Um, but I, you know, I'm not a fan of most progressive rock bands. I'm not a fan of prog rock. I'm not a fan of prog metal. It's not my thing at all. But you're spot on because there's something about Maiden, and it happens on every album. And sometimes it takes a couple of tracks. Sometimes it's straight away. Where all those little ingredients that make them what they are, 
And it's not just kind of like galloping gung-ho heavy metal anthems anymore. It's not that. It's those kind of big sweeping riffs. It's Bruce's vocals. It's those melodies that have this weird emotional pull to them that you can't quite explain. Um, they all come together. And the first time they all come together on each record is it just hits something in you. And certainly in me that no other metal band ever manages to do. Whatever form other metal bands are in, there's metal bands that put out better material than Maiden have in the last 10 years, sure. Um, but when Maiden really kind of nail it, they do something to me that no other band manages to do. And it happens quite early on in this record. The record starts with the title track, Senjutsu, which is like seven or eight minutes long, I think. So it's already kind of like straight into the big epic stakes. And I think that on the last album, um, If Eternity Should Fail was such a massive opening track. It had a lot to live up to. And the kind of earlier seconds and, and minutes of this song... It's kind of like it sets the tone. It's got these big, booming, dramatic rolling drums from Nico. Um, Bruce is doing these really kind of imperious, dramatic, kind of almost narrative vocals. Uh, it's packing one of those maiden riffs that sound almost kind of like, almost like Middle Eastern in tone that's, that, that they do quite a lot. Um, it's very ludicrous. It's over the top. It sounds like it should be used as the opening monologue for a Lord of the Rings offshoot <laughs> or something like. In the hands of like any other bands, or a lot of other bands, certainly, it would kind of fall into almost, not quite parody, but a bit like Ice is a bit much because it's just so overly dramatic. But then, about a minute and 20 seconds in or so, this piercing melody comes sweeping in from, I, I don't know if it's Adrian Smith, I'm not sure who it is playing that bit, but this kind of piercing melody comes in and it just hits you, bang, right in the gut. And then Bruce's vocals soar over it and as soon as it that stuff all kind of comes together, I just found myself totally swept up in the song um, and indeed the album. Like, the whole thing is just pure emotional, fantastical drama. And no, it does, no one does it like them. No one does it like them. And I also found it quite interesting that there's quite synthy as well, this track, near the end. And that's something that hangs around for quite a lot of the album. It's kind of like... Like again, it's kind of like fantasy feel, kind of synth that's kind of bubbling away in the background. Um, but I think it's a really, really fucking great introduction to the record. And then, as Maiden so often do, it leaps into kind of traditional gallopy heavy metal fare with Strategio, which is obviously uh, out there now. Um, what did you think of the first kind of couple of tracks on this record? So I, I kind of think that the first two tracks are, are setting up. Um, almost like a kind of false sense of security because they're i mean they're exactly well depending on your your perspective they're either exactly what you want from a maiden opening like they're so classic um uh, you know as a whole and um you know if there's even like little hints of blood brothers in the in the early parts of yep. senjutsu um you know in, in the vocals and and Again, like it's I that said, kind of like swaying, like kind of epic thing they do now, which Blood Brothers really kind of uh, yeah. consolidated for them as a template. Yeah, yeah. There's that kind of anticipation for this kind of this kind of epic vocal sort of refrain that's going to come in, and um, and the, the album doesn't, as a whole, which we'll get into later on. It doesn't really. It does things. It starts to sort of allied into other things. Um, that, that you may not expect from, uh, you know, a Maiden album, and um, but like I said, you know, there's this magic. And the, what I was going to say about Maiden as a whole, but I think these two these two tracks completely embody it. Is like part of the magic that occurs, 
um, is when it's almost it's it's almost like running by itself. Like they're so good at what they do, and they're so the, the, the amount of communication, you know, becoming more than some of its parts. There's almost like a clockwork thing to it that, um, and that in itself feels like a revelation. And the only um, band I can I can compare that sensation to, and this is completely going the scenic route. So sorry about this, but I'm obsessed with the with the British. <laughs> That's folk, unlike you, jazz. I know. I'm obsessed with a British folk band, folk jazz band called Pentangle, who reformed finally um, before two of the main members, uh, uh, like, including Bert Yanch, who's like a great folk hero, passed away. But when you but when you hear these two, um, but you hear when, the, when these musicians play together. There's something clockwork and pristine and almost like this kind of exists on this perfect, perfect Euclidean plane almost. And that in itself is just such, it just, there's a wonder at how it all kind of works together. Almost like it's running on its own internal motor, almost beyond the um, artists themselves. And so I find those two tracks, they really do that for me. Yeah, definitely. I think that they uh, they they definitely sell out the store. And I think again, that's something that Maiden albums do tend to do now. They kind of it's like kind of like a warm blanket that you put over yourself if you're an Iron Maiden fan. It's like there's certain things that you want Iron Maiden to hit. Those kind of weird, almost indescribable emotional pulls that they always hit on. Yeah. Um, the kind of gallopy gallopy, which there's a lot of on Strate- I don't know if it's Strategio or Strate- Stratego. I don't know. I should probably look that up. I, but um, yeah, the the. Uh, and yeah, these two tracks basically nail that one on one. And then, obviously, it's been released as a single, but the first kind of big swerve on this album then comes in with the writing on the wall. And mm. when I first heard this as a single, I was like, I don't know, what, what the fuck's going on here? This is so weird for them. Because it's like, you're used to hearing them kind of release like fast and more gung-ho stuff as a single for the most part. I know there's an exception or two to that. Um, but... Uh, I think it's interesting that they decided to release this as a single because it's not most, for me, the most unique song on the album. But it's probably the most unique song they've released in years and years and years. And I think now, especially the way it fits into this record, I think it already sounds like a classic Maiden track. And I think it's going to be absolutely massive when they finally drop it live. I love the kind of outlaw country vibe that this song's going on, got going mm, on under this yeah. song. I love the kind of... Uh, embittered almost like snarling delivery of the lyrics from bruce which is kind of a common theme on this record like he sounds quite angry when he he delivers a lot of these lyrics i think the Mm. chorus is absolutely gonna go off live um i mean it's my favorite maiden single that they put out there for a long long time and i think it's a really interesting track for them to have pinned the album around what did you make of writing on the wall um it's like a lot of things just like it makes so much more sense in the context of the album because it's sure. taking you I mean spoiler alert but it takes you through I mean this album takes you through a lot of different kind of moods and um, and so it's a perfect um, gateway between a Stratego I'm going to go for Stratego and the next track on the album which um, is kind of a cool one it's funny what you say about um, this kind of like this kind of outlaw feel to it and you know and it's there's this so you can feel that this kind of like segue between, yeah, that kind of um, epic epic nature of the first two tracks, where it's yeah, it's maybe it's comfort blanket. It's also a magic carpet, and um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then it's taking you to kind of th- through gradually before you even know it, like some very different moods 
that start to come up through the album, uh, particularly on the following track, uh, Lost in the Lost World. Because, um, yeah, because that track, it starts off like a trail song. It's got that kind of acoustic intro. And weirdly, the thing that reminds me the most of is that is the um, that clean vocal song on Watain's, you know, that Watain did. Um, they wrote oh, wow, that. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting because Watain are the, one of the few bands that really properly know how to wield twin lead guitars and create something epic and atmospheric out of it. But um, but yeah, it's just like you weren't expecting that um, on Lost in a Lost World, the, uh, the following track. Yeah, it's, then, it's weird because I really, I really like that intro. I think it's I instantly it. quite stirring. It really kind of gets under your skin. Um, and I really like the pre-chorus as well. It's got kind of a slightly mm. uh, lower octave Dickinson vocal under it that I think f- feels quite interesting and emotional. I'm not... I think that they've, you know, kind of said like they uh, they did the Blood Brothers. They do the kind of Blood Brothers um, strategy for a lot of songs quite regularly now. I think another mm. one of Brave New World that they revisit the world from is... Um, is the title track of a brand new world where they just kind of hammer that chorus mm. over and over. And they kind of do that on this, like kind of duh, 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 like where it's just like repeating the chorus over and over again, the same lines. And I think it feels maybe a little bit clunky in the song because it kind of just, you feel like it's building towards something really interesting. And then it kind of reverts back to like a classic maiden shouty, shouty chorus kind of thing. Um, so I wasn't quite as keen on that part of this song as, everything that's come before it but as a whole i think you're right like this track kind of um moves the album along in terms of tone and mood and um and the kind of overall journey that the record is yeah so 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 there's a there's a kind of a mid and later period but in different ways where the album becomes kind of quite like elegiac and like taking a last stand and um mm, and that definitely so the, you know, and there becomes like a real sort of like sadness, like let you know, let's pray not. But um, if um, hypothetically this was the last Maiden album, that it that it would make sense that this would be the feel of a last Maiden album. Let's hope that's yeah, not the case. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I mean we've we've said this about every Maiden album since Final Frontier. Like this could be the mm. last one. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It feels very defi- I think that's what I mean when I talked about Bruce sounding quite angry on an earlier track. It sounds quite defiant, and that yeah, you're right. That kind of last stand feel of it mm. definitely seeps through a lot of this. Yeah, this stuff. yeah, you get this sense like um, like you're on the battlefield, you've won, but you're actually thinking about what you've lost. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's a lot of uh, sense of loss on this record as well. Mm. Yeah, very much so. And then it's Stage of Future Past, isn't it? Yeah, which um, breezy, breezy maiden song. Four yeah. minutes long. That's like basically like a like you know that's like you suffer by Maiden standards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, this is kind of like it's hard with Maiden because I talk to people a lot and they're kind of like, oh, I wish Maiden would just kind of do an album of like four to five minute heavy metal bangers. And I really like Days of Future Part. I think I think it's a good palate cleanser for the kind of approaching the midway point of the records um, in terms of track numbers at least. But it kind of, it's really hard to not make those tracks feel a little more throwaway because you're kind of taking on this grandiose journey and then throwing in a song that on its own merit is really good, but kind of doesn't quite fit that slow build that then continues after this track. Am I making yeah. sense? Yeah, I mean, so some of these things I was wondering, 
how will they come across live? And other ones, I'm thinking, oh my God, this, this, this is just absolutely perfect live. Um, but there's also the thing of like, like, when you are doing a double album, you know, how much does that change the nature of the tracks that you're writing for it? Um, like, where you've got these kind of really long tracks, and it is like, okay, the, the Stratego's five minutes, um, Days of Future Past is a, you know, by their standards, a fairly breezy um, four minutes and four seconds. But um, I don't, like I said, I don't think that it kind of breaks up the mood of the album because I think the I think the album there's it is a journey through kind of different phases, and um, I think with this album particularly, every every track takes on something else in the context of the whole, and um, so I quite I I really like I really like Days of Future Past. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think I think it's I think it's a great Maiden song. It's just Maiden kind of you know as a track. It's a you know it's a banger. It's a Maiden banger, and they you kind of even despite where they're at now, um, you have to have these kind of songs on I Made an Album. And I think it's just, it kind of feels like a little kind of pause before the album kind of properly gets going again almost. Because I think after mm. this, like it really starts to kind of, like the kind of that journey of the album that we were talking about, it really starts to kick in after Days of Future Past, I think. Mm. Um, and it goes into The Time Machine, which is the song I was just double checking on. Um, and this one, like, this is just daft, isn't it? In the best possible way, this track is so much fun. Like Bruce Dickinson singing about "Have you seen my time machine?" and all this kind of stuff. It's the kind of thing that, like, in the hands of like the countless, you know, subpar heavy metal and power metal and whatever else out there, would just sound ridiculous. But they just get away with it because it's just such escapist madness. I mean, it's kind of their like climb like a monkey moment from this album. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Lyrically, yeah. anyway. Well, again, like, yeah, well, see, again, I think you have to think of the time machine in the context of the next two tracks. Because what starts to bring in here is a really strong underlying. I think I've noticed it, like, uh, you know, today, listening to it again today, that it becomes like a really strong folk element underlying the next three tracks. It gets stronger and stronger. And, um, and when I say folk, like, more of a kind of like, almost medieval madrigal kind Definitely. of feeling to it that um, when i first listened to this album at the at their offices um a couple of months ago i kept writing medieval and stuff and i did it mm. and i did it like three times and i was like oh, i can't keep using this word but it's like it is it does kind of have like that medieval ballad around a campfire kind of thing a lot of the time yeah and a medieval almost like you know when you're off on um a kind of a mission it would be like the song playing for like as the band and merry men go along the ridges or something. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's um, you know, there's there's a real kind of movement to it, a momentum, and um, and and yeah, it just seems to get stronger and stronger throughout the next two tracks. Um, until you, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I th I think it's uh, yeah, th this for me is where the album really. I mean, it does actually feel like an album of two halves. And funnily enough, I've just mm. double checked this, and this is actually where the because uh, it's it's being released as a two CD triple vinyl set, I think. And this is where the second CD begins, because after this point, you have Darkest Hour, which is kind of it's got a a kind of slower, more measured, 
like with different lyrics and a slightly different tone, it would almost have like a kind of power ballady pace that that Maiden often tip, tend to mm. dip into a couple of times on each album. Um, uh, it's about Winston Churchill, which is like it's it's an interesting slant on Winston Churchill because it's kind of talking about him battling his personal demons while all this shit's kicking off, and he has to stand up and stand up when it counts and all this kind of stuff. But I don't know, Winston Churchill is such a loaded topic in 2021 that it's like, as a kind of fantastical, lyrical subject matter, I don't find it super engaging personally, but it's something that Bruce talks about quite a lot in Our New Issue and it's something he found really interesting and, it, you know, it's a slightly different slant on that. Um, but it's, it's a really good song in its own right. And then when it, I mean, when this album just kind of goes into full Steve Harris, I'm writing whatever the fuck I want and you can't stop yeah. me, mode is after here because from here we've got three Steve Harris numbers we've got Death of the Celts The Parchment Hell on Earth all ten minutes long and the drama just builds and builds and builds and builds for these next three tracks and it's just it's just fucking awesome should we start with Death of the Celts because yeah it's basically like the sequel to Clansman musically isn't it like it's just yeah, not yeah, that yeah. spiritually about it yeah I mean yeah I mean you know the, um, the clues and the name there and it is kind of Oh yes. The most sort of, you know, it. You can't really say anything that Maiden do is cheesy. I would fight anyone who said they were, but it's as close as they get to it, but still getting away with it. Yeah, you know, there's a certain kind of sort of hey nonny element to it, which yeah, is, hey um, nonny, hey diddly diddly. Yeah, which is um, which is kind of really intending, but you know, because you know whatever you think of the um. Uh, the subject matter of Darkest Hour and I have some thoughts on that and some of the lyrics but you can't but you don't have to necessarily agree with it to un- to feel the emotions that are yeah um, yeah you're right I mean the, the, that's kind of what I was probably not very well trying to get at really like it's not something I find you know if someone says oh I may never written a song about Winston Churchill it's just kind of something like it's, it just makes me go. Oh, that's not something I was desperate to hear in 2021 because it's almost it's almost reverting to type, isn't it? Because we all know, of course, the Churchill speech plays before Asia's High Live and all this mm. kind of stuff. But it digs into it does dig into something a little bit different. And when there's the lyric about you know every black dog has its day, I think it is or something like that. That's quite cutting. Um, so yeah, I agree. You still get swept up in the emotion. You can still get swept up in the emotion of it while still kind of thinking this is a bit of a loaded topic to try and fit into a seven-minute. Yeah, I mean heavy metal song. My, yeah, I mean my initial thought the first time I heard the album as a whole, and um, like even though like this is an exhausting album, it's not one, and I mean that in a good sense. Um, it's not one that I kind of really feel I want to dip into and just pick out my favourite tracks just like you want to go on the whole journey no, but definitely there's not. something sort of kind of like there's something in the stirriness and this may be me reading too much into it but there's something that felt a little a little bit Brexity about the whole thing in the sense that okay. um, in in the sense that um, there's a, there's you, you could impose a kind of Glory Britannia thing on it and it wouldn't feel out of place yeah, and, and I, mean, I, may, I may just be reading that in, in in the context and in you know some of the things you know some of some of the things that members have said, but um about about our place in the world. But um 
I was just going to say, in light of, um, of uh, you know, obviously Bruce and, and Brexit have been in the media together quite a lot. So it's kind of mm. hard not to think, you know, where are their heads at when they're kind of writing this stuff? And when I saw the writing on the walls the first time, I thought, ah, oh, some of this lyricism sounds a bit flag wavy. Now it sat with me longer. I'm not convinced it's as simple as that. But no, I mean, uh, no, of course that, not. You know, when you've got a guy who's, who's famously run around waving a Union Jack on stage, you're always going to question, like, what their angles and certain stuff are. Yeah, like, like yeah, like I said, it's one lens that maybe occurs and you can put onto it. But I think made or not, what they're always talking about is an ideal and that what they represent and what and what music should aim for is an ideal, and um, and that's what you kind of respond to beyond, um, you know, any kind of literal take. Sometimes you want on some. You, you might want to take on something or, or, or yes just, definitely or just to, you know in this particular moment in time but it's just I I it, it I just couldn't help it just occurred it's just something that occurred to me didn't ruin my um my you know my enjoy uh, the album whatsoever but um it's you, you, sometimes you just can't help yourself in the, in yeah of course you know. and that is you know that is the 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 uh the wonderment of kind of social media discourse and everything else around around music in 2021, right? It's just part of the parcel. But I mean, so yeah, I mean, the, the reason we kind of get into all this is because Darkest Hour, I was just a bit like, eh, 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 you know, like, wasn't quite sure I needed to hear a song about Winston Churchill in 2021. But I think musically, yes, it's still very stirring and very moving. And then we get into... Uh, get into Death of the Celts, which kind of continues a lot of the folkier vibes on um, on this album. Uh, again, the parchment is like just it's the longest song on the record, twelve minutes, not even as long as the two longest songs on the last album, which is just dizzying to even think about. Um, more kind of Middle Eastern guitar kind of vibes going on on this uh, on this song as well. I like I like the parchment. For me, I think the parchment because it's such a long track. It kind of gets, it's stuck between two, I, I think Death of the Celts is brilliant. And I think Hell on Earth, which we'll get to, is maybe the best song on the album because I found it very emotionally affecting and it felt like a kind of brooding climax to the kind of, that emotional journey we've talked about, which is, you know, the whole like last stand and the defiance and all this kind of stuff. So the parchment kind of suffers a tiny bit by comparison i still think it's really good but i think it's it's stuck between two like top tier maiden songs um and yeah hell on earth the final track on the album i think is absolutely fucking great it's dark it's brooding it feels angry it feels kind of sad it's, it's got this kind of slow building melancholic uh intro that bursts into kind of a more mid-tempo-y gallopy classic maiden refrain but it's still got this kind of weird, uh, sad, I don't know if it's like sad or angry kind of emotional uh, pull underneath it all. Um, and what I love about the when it kind of picks up a bit pace wise is that it's got this, it's got these melodies in it that are so instantly hummable because even about a minute before Bruce even appears onto the song, you can hear exactly where his voice is going to go and the kind of notes it's going to pitch. And mm. I really love that because then he does come in and he completely hits those exact things that are kind of um, telegraphed on the song before he, he comes in. Um, mm. 
And yeah, I found this song really emotional. I found Hell on Earth quite an emotional listen. It's almost like a primordial thing. It's like those those, those, yeah. those final lyrical refrains of love in anger, life in danger, lost in anger, life in danger. I was really like, oh, I don't quite know what this is getting at, but it's got to me. <laughs> it just sounds, yeah. sounds Actually, like... That, uh, you nailed it. The last stand of a, of a whatever it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. But actually, having seen Primordial over the weekend in London, that, that arm comparison is so apt. Like, all those things about just like, you know, you know that history has its own course, that, you know, we should learn, but we don't. Um, that, you know, all the all these ideas of heroism are being tested. And, um, and this is all a visceral, and, you know, and it's all comes together in a really visceral way. And I think also Hell on Earth, um, you know, it has a lot of heavy lifting to do after the parchment. Uh, yeah. Reason being, and this is, I, I love the part, and, but, you know, the kind of instrumental break goes on kind of longer than you think it is going to go. It goes on In past the part being, yeah. Like, yeah, I found does, myself, yeah. Like, I found myself just like, almost like losing my place in it, but I like that experience. There was a, um, I like, I like that, that, I like that sensation where something goes on beyond its natural beat. And you just like you you've just like walked into something else, or you're just in the moment, and it's not demarcated by anything else either side of it. You've just lost your place in the scheme of things. And I think Maiden even, are really good at that as well. There's a yeah. lot of that on the Book of Souls as well. That's why I love um, uh, songs like The Red and the Black because they do kind of they kind of push you just past the point of where you you kind of still know where you are with the song and then they'll just hit you with these peeled peeled off solos or guitar harmonies or Bruce's vocals will come back in and it just mm. kind of jolts you back into this like alert state that you maybe weren't expecting yeah. um, and the part yeah. definitely and it, does that yeah and it's not because they're kind of being overindulgent it's um it's because we, like when you suddenly realise oh I'm back but all oh, you just you're aware of your surroundings again just like Everything is doing exactly what it needs to be doing, you know, and it still it does it all the way through. So again, there's that kind of that magic of having that kind of almost like be being. It's almost like it's being left to its own devices, and those devices are, are almost like beyond human in a way. Hell on Earth has to kind of pick up from that, and and you know, it's still an eleven eleven minute and twenty second song, so it has to reorientate you. Um, it has to kind of, um, and it has to, yeah, just sum up, you know, you know, or, or just cap the journey that you've been on, and suggest there's still more to come, and it does all of that, and 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 you know, reach a kind of, not emotional. It doesn't have to reach an emotional crescendo as such, but it just, um, it just has to embody a lot of what's been going on, even if it leaves itself open ended at the end, which. Um, you kind of want it you kind of want it to do so so like you know an 82 minute album will still linger yeah it does it does yeah it does and it, it really um it really leaves you kind of just feeling a bit like bewildered really this record yeah. i think it's it's very cleverly paced because it's like it is 82 minutes and these are long songs like this isn't an album you can just really dip in and out of and you know i feel like book of souls was a bit like that as well. But Book of Souls, I still feel like I want them to just play the red and the black at some sets. I would love to see If Eternity Should Fail in some sets. I'd like to see Speed of Light come back in some sets. Like, 
there's quite clear highlights on that record and there's clear highlights on this record as well I don't even know if I like anyone's song on this album as like as much as I like The Red and the Black for instance which I think is one of the best made songs ever but it just carries you through this swelling endless well it's not endless but feels like it's an endless emotional journey and it leaves you kind of just feeling a bit like like dazed and confused at the end of it all um, yeah I mean, and I feel like this... it's an album that needs to be listened to in full as well. I really struggle to see myself. Mm. I mean, the writing on the wall is a banger. I could definitely just put that on, but I struggle to see to to see myself picking bits out to listen to here and there. I think every time I listen to this album, I'm going to want to sit and listen yeah. to this album. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it is an exhausting experience listening to it all the way through. Um, but and and part but part of that as well is that. It's complex, but it's so. But everything is still kind of quite foregrounded. If you know what I mean. So, you know, there's there's you know there's there's not a lot of, of there's not that many dropouts and um, you know, it's just yeah everything's kind of on the screen in front of you. There's not even though it's kind of like we I think we called it um what do we call it we called it um. An electrifying cinematic masterpiece. Uh, yes, in the words of uh, Joe Daly, who uh, whose big, like, mega long review uh, is available to read on the Metal Hammer website right now. Actually, he he absolutely loves this album. He gave it a nine out of ten. Glowing, glowing, mm. glowing uh, yeah. report. Um, and yeah, so, and cinematic. It is absolutely cinematic. People use that word a lot, yeah. but in Maiden's case, I think it is absolutely apt. Yeah, yeah, but but if it's cinematic, it would like it would be shot um, in a way that like. Everything like uh, that, even the background is in sharp focus. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Like I've, I've been watching loads of Roy Anderson movies where um, you know everything is like completely staged and it's just mesmerizing. But the, the kind of the depth of vision where just like every every scene is like a painting, but because every last bit of it, the furthest back is in is in complete sharp focus, and you kind of get that with this with this record. It's it's kind of painted in such strong colors uh but still has this kind of real emotional subtlety ambiguity i don't i don't know what you call it but um but but it's bewildering in the sense that it's open ended and it's bewildering in the sense that everything is so kind of foregrounded there's a lot of information to deal with and you still but you're still feeling all of it it's this album's a journey and it's like such a cliche but there are a few bands out there i struggle to think of any metal bands i listen to where i'll be gagging for an 80 minute album and yet maiden craft it with such kind of care and the kind of view of a bigger picture that i think they they managed to pull it off and listen if you don't like where maiden have been at in the last 10 years especially i'd say let's say 11 years and count um final frontier if you don't like where maiden have been in that time you're probably not going to dig this record because in that sense it is more of the same it's big it's proggy it's expansive it's dramatic to the point of melodramatic almost um it's uh, it's super fantastical even by maiden standards if those kind of things aren't the boxes you want ticking for maiden in 2021 then this album probably won't be for you but if you like me and Jonathan and and I think you know I think most Maiden fans still are just totally enamoured with the way Maiden go about their business on records um, in recent years. 
you're going to like this album a lot. I think it's an album that throws up new things every time I listen to it. It throws up new emotions every time I listen to it. You know, like not every single part of every single song is is something that I necessarily love at all times. You know, I've talked about not sure about how I engage with the Winston Churchill track. It doesn't quite speak to me in the same way. Um, you know, there's bits here and there that, that we've, we, we've kind of picked at and looked at, but as an overall body of work, it's it's incredibly impressive and it's very affecting. And it's an album that I'm going to be digging into over and over and over again. And as I said before, I'm going to have to set aside time to do it because I want to hear it all in one yeah. go every time I do that. But I, but I think something else you have to understand as a fan of music and, a, and as a fan of Iron Maiden is that, um, you know, every band has to be emotionally honest about where they are in this mm -hmm. moment in time. And so, you know, Am's are totemic. And Maiden or Point Now in their lives where and in their career where yeah, you want to take stock. You you can't do a whole load of bangers. I mean and, and, and they managed to do this without any of the um uh watering down of what they're about that mm. other bands when they kind of you know, with when they sort of get further on the career that, that they may sort of like chill out a bit more, lose their edge, and they haven't done any of that. But um but if you don't really dig the mate you know, the last say three maiden albums and you and if you find yourself not digging this, just understand it's a band taking stock and taking stock from, you know, the grandest perspective that any band has you know has ever achieved. Absolutely. So, um, so I think I couldn't, you, I couldn't. I thought you put, you put that so well. I don't know how to follow it up. <laughs> yeah. So I think you need to see it from your hero's angle, and you know they've, you know they've reached that point. They're looking along vast plains, and they have, they have, and and I and most importantly, I still think the art. I still think the music is good. I still genuinely want new Iron Maiden, and I still feel almost possessed to kind of just throw myself into their world and just kind of embrace it all every time something comes along. So Senjutsu is indeed out. Uh, it works well, out tomorrow. It's out Friday. I'm sure pretty it's much everyone Friday. in the world yeah. of metal. Yeah, it's out tomorrow. So I'm sure pretty much everyone in the world of metal is going to be listening to this one. It is a huge album. It is fucking great. <laughs> it, is, it is well worth your time, but, the emphasis is on your time because you're going to want to spend, you're going to want to put aside some hours to really delve into this Maiden album. As, as you probably know that, you know, that's what you have to do if you want to get into I Maiden in 2021. Um, we will be back next week. Don't forget, of course, to pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer. It is a Senjutsu special, huge cover feature, loads of cool goodies based around I Maiden that come with the issue as well. So if you've enjoyed this and you think, I want even more Maiden content in my face, Go pick up the new issue from tinyurl.com slash gethammer. I think I heard we were running quite low on stock there, actually. So you might have to go out to your local store and find one in the UK instead. Uh, if you're not sure where your local stockist is, go to tinyurl.com slash findhammer. And uh, then you can find out where this nearest shop selling Metal Hammer is. You can go and get it. Shout out to Mr. Jonathan Seltzer for joining us today. Shout out for Iron Maiden for producing another banger of a record. Um, and shout out to our lovely sponsors, Killstar. Go over to www.killstar.com to check out all their brilliant latest wares. Uh, and as I said, we'll see you right here on the show next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye and bon voyage. <laughs>